Well, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Greg, and I am so glad that you are listening right now. Listen, man, life is hard, but we are here to help you. And so I hope you enjoyed today's message. And man, our, our, our real prayer and our real hope is that, that the message today will help you take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Recently, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives here in the Gables, and because I'm a pastor, you can imagine that many times the topic of conversation goes to God and Jesus or the Bible and church. And so we're having this conversation, and in the middle of the conversation, my friend, he, he pauses, and he gets a serious look on his face, and he says to me, you know, Greg, I really believe it's true. No, 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 Greg, like, I really believed it happened. Like, like it really happened. And then after another long pause, he says to me, my son thinks I'm crazy. Now, he has a 20-something-year-old son who is very bright and smart and intelligent. And his son says to him, Dad, you know, those are just stories. They're not real. They didn't like really happen. They're just good stories. When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to God, the God of the Bible, the idea of, of knowing God and following God, everything, and I mean everything comes down. It all comes down to this, to a person, Jesus I mean, this is the big question. This is the most important question. In fact, I believe this is a question that every single one of us has to answer at some point in your life. Who is Jesus? I mean, what do you think about Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? I mean, what are you going to do with Jesus? Now, even if you're new to this whole conversation, you probably know at least some of the story. I mean, the, the narrative goes like this. is Jesus, right? He was born of a virgin in a manger. That's Christmas. He lived approximately 33 years, and there's teachings and healings and miracles, and, and you're familiar with many of them. And then, at the end of that, Jesus dies on a Roman cross to thousand years ago and his death on the cross it takes away your sin and your guilt and your shame and your wrongdoing your transgressions and he dies Jesus dies on a on a Friday on a cross and then three days later he he rose from the dead the resurrection resurrection Sunday it's become known as Easter I mean I mean who who is Jesus I mean is this real or is this just like a really good story? I mean, is it, is it factual, like history, like actually happened in history? Or is it just really a great story? And it's wholesome, 
and, and it's helpful, and you should probably teach it to your kids because at the end of the day, there's some great moral and ethical lessons there, and there's great lessons about love and kindness and hope, and it's just really good to know. I mean, what do you think? Who, who is Jesus, what do you think about Jesus? I mean, is he just a, like a moral person who taught really good morals and he was just a really good teacher? Or is he really God, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, your Savior? And if you're new and just exploring, this is an important question that you need to be able to answer this question. In fact, we, our family, we have some really good friends. And these are friends like we're in their life on a weekly basis. And they, they don't believe, right? They are not followers of Jesus. And they have a daughter who is six, and she's been asking questions. And the mom said to us recently, like, you know, I, I need to investigate this because at some point I've got to have a good answer for my daughter. Or maybe you are a follower of Jesus, and you would say, hey, Greg, I'm in. I, I believe. Well, you, you need to know why. What's the why of your faith? Why do you believe? If, if you really understand the why, it will actually affect every aspect of your life, your faith, your confidence in God. See, this is important. It's important for all of us. Every single one of us listening right now, this is important. You have to wrestle this down. Like, what do you believe? And, and why? Who is Jesus? What do I think about Jesus. Who is Jesus to me? Now, Jesus, why are we even still talking about him? Like, how is he even relevant? I mean, will he not go away? I loved how one writer put it. He said this. He said, Jesus, he's the man who won't go away. I mean, we can't get rid of this guy. I mean, he's, he's everywhere. I mean, didn't Jesus, like, live and die 2,000 years ago? I mean, isn't that, like history in the past, and it's over. Like, why are we still even talking about him? I mean, Jesus, think about it. His impact on human history is without parallel. I mean, normally when someone dies, their impact on the world immediately begins to recede, right? But Jesus actually inverted this normal human trajectory. His impact was greater 100 years after his death than during his life. It was greater still 500 years. After a 1,000 years, his legacy laid the foundation for much of Europe. And now, 2,000 years later, there are more followers in more places than ever before. I mean, Jesus, his presence is unavoidable. His impact on the world in this, Jesus is history's most familiar figure. How? I mean, like, why? Like, just logically, why? I mean, when did you first hear the name Jesus? Think about it. When, when did you learn about Jesus? Maybe you could respond in the comments. When did you first hear the name Jesus? I mean, think about this. Today is October 10, 2021. 22,021 years from what? I mean, throughout history, powerful leaders and regimes have often tried to establish their importance by dating the calendar around their existence. I mean, Roman emperors would date events according to the years of their reign. The French Revolution tried to enlighten everyone with a calendar that marked the reign of reason. The idea of Jesus trying to impose a calendar on anyone is laughable. 
I mean, in fact, even in the Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke, he, he writes according to Roman ca- calendar. Look, according to this. Look what he says, Luke 3.1. He says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, okay, Roman emperor, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, Tetrarch, right? He's, he's dating it, right? Luke is writing in the Bible. He's dating Jesus based on the Roman calendar of the Roman emperor. Yet today, every time you and I glance at a calendar or the date or I look at my watch, we're reminded Jesus. Jesus is the dividing line of history. I mean, how is that even possible? I mean, he was a penniless preacher from nowhere. He had no marketing strategy or brand. He didn't have an official Instagram page. I mean, who is this guy? Who is Jesus? I mean, throughout history, kings and emperors often sought to preserve their legacy by having others named for them. And and on the day of Jesus' death, no one in his tiny circle knew his knew his identity was naming their baby after him. But here we are 2,000 years later, and the names of Caesar and and Nero are pizza parlors or dogs or casinos, while the names of Jesus' followers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mary, Martha, they live on and on. I mean, think about art. We have so many artists who are part of our community. I mean, no one even knows what Jesus looks like. I mean, there's really no pictures or paintings or sculptors. We, we don't even have any physical descriptions. Yet Jesus and his followers are the most frequent subjects for art in the world. Uh, one Yale historian put it this way. He says, regardless of what you personally think or believe about Jesus, he is the dominant figure in history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. He said, if it were possible to have a machine to extract out of history every piece of art bearing at least a trace of his name, how much art would be left? Last Sunday after our gathering here at Miami Church, my son played in a golf tournament in Davie. And we're on the second hole, it's a par three, and he hits a ball that plugs into the side of the sand trap. And so I call the dad of the other kid over to get a ruling. And he walks over and he leans over and he looks at the golf ball buried in it and he goes, Jesus Christ. And I said, yes, I'm glad you brought him up. What do you think about him? I mean, think about this. It's in Jesus' name that desperate people pray, grateful people worship, and angry people swear. I mean, his name is invoked from christenings to weddings to hospital rooms to funerals. He is the man who want go away. His influence is inescapable. I mean, how? I mean, was it just like good timing? I mean, maybe Jesus was just a sympathetic figure who happened to come along and Roman infrastructure was good? I mean, was it just luck? I mean, maybe Jesus was a kind, simple, innocent soul with a good mom and a, and a knack for catchy sayings who showed up at the right place at the right time? I mean, is it just like a massive circumstance or accident? Or maybe, is it true? I mean, is he who he says he is? I mean, Jesus said this. He said, Jesus said, I am the way the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father, the Heavenly Father, except through me. I mean, Jesus is saying, I'm the way, that that I am the way. He's saying, I am the only way for you to come into a relationship with God. 
What is necessary is simply to know Jesus in personal faith and to trust him as the only one who can lead you to God. He says, I'm the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. Jesus says, I am the life. I am life. The only real life is through me. And then there's his teachings. I mean, you, even now, 2,000 years later, you study his teachings. His, his, his teachings turn the world upside down. I mean, the stuff that we're still struggling with culturally, that we're wrestling with culturally. He talked about it 2,000 years ago. I, I mean, look at a couple examples. When Jesus burst onto the scene in the first century, Roman culture, right? All the people had gods, lowercase g. And their gods, gods had different names, but what they shared was this hierarchical way of ordering life. At the top were the gods, then the king, and then the king's members of his court and the priest. And below that are like artisan, merchants, craft people. And below them was a large group of just normal peasants and slaves. And the king, who was just below God, was seen as divine or semi-divine, and he was made to be in the image of God. And this was the dividing line between the king and the rest of the human race. Others were not made in the image of God. They were created in inferior gods. And then Jesus busts onto the scene. And, and he begins teaching. And, and Jesus actually teaches, no, no, there's one God, capital G, and he's good. And every human being is made in his image, all people. Not just the kings, not just the artisans, all people. I mean, he said things like this. Jesus called them together. He said, you know that the rulers in this world Lord it over people. The officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be the leader actually must be the servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. He said stuff like this. But many who are the greatest now will be least important. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. The first will be last, and the last will be first. I mean, Jesus turns this whole thing upside down. I mean, can you imagine what this did into the hearts of people in the lower class who were told that, that not just the king, but they too were created in the image of the one and only God? I mean, when was the last time you felt like you didn't matter? Like nobody sees you. I have a friend that during... COVID, she actually filed for unemployment. But as she was trying to file for unemployment, the, the website kept crashing. And, it, and she was so frustrated. And she felt like, I don't matter. See, when you have a need, a point in need, and you can't get the need met, you just feel like a number. Get in line. No one really cares. No one sees me. And when Jesus looked at people, he saw the image of God, and he saw it in everyone. And it caused him to treat people with dignity. I mean, as a church, we're reading through the Gospels, 89 chapters and 89 A's, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And if you look closely at how Jesus interacts and treats people, it's revolutionary. When Jesus looks at you, he sees the image of God. He sees value and worth, and you really matter. You're not a number. You're a person, a human, a man or woman created in the image of God. Of God. I mean, think about this. Jesus, when, when he came onto the scene 2,000 years ago in the first century, culturally, unwanted babies were often simply left to die in a practice called exposure. 
I mean, the head of the household had the legal right to decide the life and death of a baby, and the decision was usually made during the first eight days of life. In fact, one historian said kids were more like a plant than a human being. And the most common reason this would happen was the family lived in poverty uh, or a wealthy family didn't want to divide the estate or the child was the wrong gender or had a physical disability. And here comes Jesus. And in light of this culture and practice, look what he does. Luke 18, he says, uh, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when his disciples saw this, they rebuked him. But look what Jesus, he called the children to him and he said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Mark tells us that he put a child in the middle of the room and then cradling the little one in his arms, he said, whoever embraces one of these children as I do embraces me. And far more than me, God who sent me. I grew up singing a song that said something like this. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I mean, think about this. When Jesus burst onto the scene in the first century, women were seen as second-class citizens. No rights, no standing, no vote. They can't testify in court. They were just property. And actually, the longest conversation reported between Jesus and and, and another person is in John chapter 4. And Jesus sat down by a well to rest because he was tired. And, And a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus asked her for a drink. In fact, John says that when the disciples returned and they saw Jesus talking to the woman, that they were shocked. Now, this is in early in his ministry. The disciples hadn't been around him. And at one part in the conversation, Jesus looks at the woman who'd had five husbands and now was living with man. She was not married. And, and, and maybe you've been taught that this is because she was like sexually immoral or unfaithful. But the reality is divorces were rare in that country, that culture. And there were just no uh, records of women being able to divorce men. So we don't know. But we do know that she had experienced grief and rejection in her current Uh, arrangement was probably not just about sex because if a man wanted a woman from an existing uh, a lower class he could just make her his concubine and so here she is out in the middle of the day rejected drawing drawing water and Jesus is looking her in the eye and he says I know you you're a woman you're a Samaritan your life is hard I know your story and I care about you Jesus sat at a well and he engaged in a deep, personal conversation with this woman and about her relationship with God. I mean, is it any wonder she couldn't stop talking about him? I mean, he was treating her like someone who mattered, someone who had identity. She was created in the image of God and she mattered to Jesus. I mean, one of the earliest followers of Jesus, Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church in Galatia, he, he picks up on the life and the teachings and the practice of Jesus, and he wrote these words. He says, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus. All who have been united with Jesus in baptism have put on Christ. It's like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile or slave or free or male or female. For you are all one in Jesus. Now, when my wife and I left our comfortable life and our salary and our benefits and we sold our home and we moved our family here, 
right along US-1 to help start this church, Miami Church, for you. And we're broken, flawed people. We're far from perfect. In fact, our church is an imperfect church. But at the core, at the heart, it, it, it's because we want you. We want you to know. We want you to experience. We want you to encounter Jesus. And I pray that God will open your eyes to Jesus, to who he really is. See, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Messiah, the son of the living God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to life with God now and forever. And Jesus is God in the flesh who came to show and to demonstrate to you and to me what God is like. And he came to restore you to a loving, life-giving relationship with God. For all children of God, through what? Faith in Jesus, and united with Christ in baptism. It's like putting on new clothes. And we are all can be one in Christ. See, God, he wants to be your heavenly father. He, he, he invites you to be his son, to be his daughter through faith in Jesus. He says, belief, trust Jesus, and then unite with him in baptism. That's why we always say the first step in following Jesus is baptism. We have a baptism celebration coming up in November. So my question for you is, what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with his teachings? What are you going to do with his life? Who is Jesus? I mean, what do you think about Jesus? Oh, my prayer is that you would believe and trust that you would follow him in baptism and that you could experience life, life to the fullest. Because I know this, friends. Wherever you are on your faith journey, whatever your experiences in church, whatever your experiences with religion, I want you to know this, that God loves you and he wants to be in a right relationship with you. I pray that you would, you would turn from whatever you're trying to do and then you would just give him your life that you would surrender in your life, you would put your trust, your faith, your hope, your future in Jesus because no one or nothing can, can, can fill the void in your life like Jesus. And he loves you so much that he, that he died on a cross. He gave his life for you so that you could be in a right relationship with God. If you were the only person, I believe Jesus would have done it just for you. God, I thank you for each person, each, each woman, each man that, that's listening to my voice right now. And God, I just pray that you would just break through whatever walls and barriers and obstacles are keeping them from experiencing and knowing and encountering you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to make a way for me to be in a right relationship with you. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my all. God, I want to follow you. I am broken. I am flawed. I am a sinner. And God, I'm in need of you and your forgiveness. God, I want to walk with you. I want to be in sync with you. So, God, may your presence and power just, just fall on me and on our church and all of these amazing people who are listening to my voice now, God. May Jesus, may you just be famous. May you be famous in our church, in our community, and in our city. And we love you and thank you for what you've done for us. And, and we can pray in your powerful name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. 
We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at miamichurch.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.